bing, bing. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 26 of... Just a sentence. I gave it back to you this week. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Last week I got so excited. Um, today, we're talking about formerly Darth, now just Maul. Uh, we're talking about the man himself. More? Or, I guess, Zabrak himself. Uh, Darth Maul, and we want to talk a little bit about uh, his life, the tragedy, the, the tragedy ongoing struggle against... Yeah, if Darth Maul was one of the masks that you see in the iconic depiction of drama, he'd be the sad mask for sure. Yeah, I think that there's um, there's one moment in my memory that he has a peaceful moment and even then that moment is fleeting and tragic and tragic uh so you have the whole moment you know when you first meet darth maul he's um he's very calm like when you first see him in the phantom menace yeah um you know there's sidious sitting there and it's like the nine boys like it's impossible to find yeah. And then, uh, you know, Sidious is like, not for a Sith. I just imagine Sidious just kind of lets air out every time he talks. But um, after like he a, says like that... A talking fart. Yeah, just like, and then we will go up, maybe we'll go, go out for a nice bite, something to eat, and, uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. But um, if that very first moment that Darth Maul is revealed in episode one, uh, he basically is saying... Not hard for a Sith to track down. And Maul walks in and he does the cool crossed arms thing with a super dope robe and everything. And you can't really see him. And then later on, you know, very like, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will take our revenge. He just seems very, I don't know, you have two Darth Mauls. You have, uh, you know, the contemplating, thinking Maul. And then you have super ticked off Rage Monkey Maul. Yeah, I think... The second mall is always there. The rager? Yeah. He's, he's just under he's the surface. always there. And whenever you see him trying to be somewhat composed, and it's almost always in the presence of Sidious. I was going to say, when Sidious is around, he's very, very yeah, hit puppy. Yeah, he is lap dog. Which, Not in like a pandering sort of way, but yeah. he knows his place. Yeah. Well, when in Clone Wars, and I don't want to jump the, put the cart before the horse, but in Clone Wars, whenever Sidious comes and visits him on Mandalore, he's like, Master, I, I, I made this for you. Almost, I made sandwiches almost, for you. It was almost a call out to A New Hope, where Vader had that realization that Kenobi was on the Death Star. Yeah, because he says, I, I sense a presence I've not felt since. Yeah. Imagine you're talking to Darth Vader, and he says that, and he goes, a presence I've not felt since. And then just takes off walking. You're like, what the freak since what? Yeah. You know? Was this a chick that you put that you dated once oh, and she yeah. never returned your calls? It's like uh, Ron Swanson smelling Tammy. A, a presence I've not felt since I, speed. I put in my Uber Eats order. Must be here, my food. Um, so, you know, what does Darth Vader order? You think it's just noodles so he can suck them through that mask? I, I'm going to go with a nice hearty stew. He just lays. He just lays on his back and just drowns himself. He just waterboards himself every time he eats. You know, I just does he poop in that little hamster ball? What do you mean? Does he poop? He's got a butthole. (laughs) That didn't burn off. (laughs) 
I hate you. You burned off my butthole. Is that him talking to Taco Bell? <laughs> oh, okay. We're coming out with a little comedy. Okay. Uh, anyway, before we get too far into the uh, Darth talk. Maul trap, what news do we have for him? Oh, there's some spicy news this week. And some sad news. Okay, you go ahead with the sad news. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about my boy Thrawn. What about him? Oh, yeah, yeah they yeah, get pushed. So they... No, 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 no. You're, no, no, no. No, sorry. The... High Republic. High Republic. Thrawn High Republic. is still coming out Thrawn's... September 1st. Yeah. Or August 1st. Tim would never do this wrong. I think August 1st is Thrawn. So we actually got a little good news there. Uh, or no, October 1st, so that's September 1st. Okay, and then we were going to have... I remember thinking, wow, I'm going to really have to burn through this High Republic book because nothing is going to stop me from starting Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, High Republic... Uh, the novel by Charles Soule is uh, set to release in August. I want to say like the 18th or some such. Yeah, and they, um, and they moved it to January of 2021. As if this year could not be already terrible. Right. As if I did. Like, I just wanted what? to there's, have something to look for. There's some of to. us nerds out here that Star Wars is our essence. The essence. The essence. To quote another Mark Hamill character. If you guys are. Uh, the Dark Crystal Friend, fans. fans of the Dark Crystal. That we cast desire... is pretty stacked. Yeah, it really is. For the voices, especially the Skeksis. We desire the essence. We needed more High Republic. If you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'm sorry for my face. Mm-hmm. Um, but they moved that to January 2021, so screw us, I guess. <laughs> Does Do you think that moves everything? Oh, I will say, though... That I'm excited. We talked a little bit about Mandalorian novel stuff coming out in November, I think. Um, and they all, here recently, they've been having novelization and junior novelization, which I guess is like more of a young adult version, like maybe shorter, larger words. I don't know how it works. I don't know why they do that. Just encourage kids to read regular books. God, are we trying to dumb down society? Anyways, um, yes, the answer is yes, Deep State. Um, but the, uh, the cool thing is though, I'm super excited. I, I'm going to go against everything I just said, but I'm super excited for the young adult version of Mandalorian novelization because it's written by our guy, Joe Schreiber. Mm. And I think this is his, if I'm not mistaken, this is his first Star Wars since the Disney takeover. Mall Lockdown came out, like you said, in like 2013, 2014. It was published in 2014. And, um, the first edition, there's a second edition published in 2015. Right. So, which maybe that's the paperback, but, um, perhaps, perhaps. so, uh, he's going to be back on the Star Wars market. Um, he may, I don't think he's done anything from like certain point of view or anything like that. Now that's still coming out in like November-ish. That's a good question. I don't know. So if we can hold on till September, we'll have Thrawn and then a little bit later we'll have certain point of view for the Empire and, um, Mandalorian season... Two comes out in October. So there is Star Wars Hope on the Horizon. And then in January, we'll get High Republic novelization from Charles Soule. So there is good stuff. That's, so there is some sad news on the book front, but there is still plenty to be excited about. Um, so other news is... No Joe Schreiber in the uh, A New Hope from a certain point of view. But, uh, what about Empire? Like one thing at a time. I don't think he's in that one either. Keep going. Um, but as I get a drinky drink, dude, you know, when you're at the movies and they're like trying to basically like force you to get a drink 
and there's just a white screen and you see like ding diddly ding 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 and it's just a bunch of ice and then they pour a soda in there if i don't already have a drink that gets me every time i'll lean over to macy and be like i'll be right back it's just the the fizz and then someone drinks and it's like nothing from joe schreiber in the empire edition either Two weeks in a row. <laughs> Unforgivable. You want to know why we're getting six views a week? <laughs> it's crap like that. No, uh, so on the positive news front, very, very positive news. I'm super, super mega stoked about this. Um, but super, super mega stoked. Yes. Folks, when I say the news, you're going to understand why. Apparently, very high on the list. Um, okay, so we've got the Obi-Wan show coming out. I believe still being directed by uh, Deborah Chow. Mm, yes, for all my... Thought police people out there, this is double plus good. It's a 1984 reference. Oh, okay. We're living in it. Um, so uh, she did some of the best episodes of The Mandalorian. Um, she was responsible for episode three of The Mandalorian, where all the Mandalorians save Din Djarin and the child. Um, remember when we were like, well, we never really seen that many Mandalorians on screen fighting at once. And then you said, yeah, and if I don't see a rangefinder, I'm going to be disappointed. That'll make my day. And the very next episode, he uses his rangefinder. You get the head, head wanted, display. That's yeah, what you wanted. I wanted that. I wanted to see through the eyes of a Mandalorian. Right, and you did. And I did. And, and he's surrounded, heard. and like six hundred Mandalorians are like, and then you have the heavy Mandalorian voice by John Favreau, and he's like, "Get out of here!" Da, 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 da. Anyways, which so, maybe he did the the body as well because he was heavy. <laughs> wow. Well, we're never getting hired. Good job. No, but um, he's got so she's the director. She's gonna be directing Obi Wan series. Now, here's the news itself. The news is Hayden Christensen has officially signed a contract with Disney and Lucasfilm, and the report is it's it's not a it's a significant it's like significant casting. Yeah, um, which means that it's not a cameo. Yeah, multiple visitations. so, you know, a cameo appearance would be if that ends up being Boba Fett from Mandalorian Season 1 or um, things like that. Like the Trandoshans, yeah, that's a little cameo. Or anything that Stan Lee does in the Marvel Universe. Right. Or the movies we're but concerned, it, at least. it seems to be a very significant... So I would say, like, in Mandalorian Season 1, you have Apollo Creed's character, Grief Karga. He's in, you know, two or three episodes. And when he's in the episode, he's in there for minutes at a time. I'm thinking maybe not as heavy as, like, you know... Quill or Cara Dune, but he's going to be in there a significant chunk right. of time. Well, and the thing that I brought up when we were discussing this news at first was that we've all been assuming that the Kenobi series is going to take place post episode three by the time he's already ensconced on Tatooine. But maybe this takes it back a little bit further, you know, sometime around episode two, episode three, when, you know, Haydenson, when it would be reasonable for him to, did I say Haydenson? Hayden mm-hmm. Christensen. Uh, you know, was an adult, but I think it would be cool if they showed some of the goings on, like Lion King one and a half, but more Kenobi focused. Hmm. You know, just all the extra things, like what happened on Keitu Nemoidia that doesn't count. We never got to see. Yeah, maybe. I think the rumors that I've heard, things that I've kind of sniffed out, is that um, they're supposed to be either flashbacks or nightmares of Anakin Skywalker, either um, Obi-Wan, like, can't get him out of his mind. I think Obi-Wan at this time thinks Anakin's dead, doesn't realize that he survived as Darth Vader. Um, I remember hearing, 
are reading and from a certain point of view episode four so depending on where the kenobi series starts but after he gets on tatooine and he's there for a little bit he sees something about darth vader on like the hollow nets mm-hmm. and he was completely haunted by it mm-hmm. so there is a period of time where he thinks he actually died which for me is was always a little bit strange just because he would have sensed his passing in the force right you would think they had such a significant bond well yeah but yeah you, you would know? think so um but I think it wasn't a very long point But you know turnover. what? Maybe maybe Anakin's shift in the Force was so severe as he became Vader that Anakin Skywalker was dead in a sense. I don't know. I would say that if I really believed that even when he was killing younglings in Episode 3 that there wasn't still some sort of internal Kylo Ren type struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, that... I think at that time he believed he was really doing good because he was trying to save Padme. He mm-hmm. was a means to an end for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah, think but he ever struggled with. I think when he's fighting Obi, struggling. I think when he's fighting Obi Wan, like that's that's his darkest mm-hmm. that we get to in Episode Three. Uh, <clears throat> I'm saying internally. Well, maybe I don't know. I feel like no. Think about like it because feeling children. I'm oh, sorry. Not not his darkest. Um, not his darkest act. Like obviously, Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we gonna do? I feel, I feel like, like that's, that's the, the darkest over the line. But for Anakin, Obi Wan would represent everything that Anakin hated about the Jedi at that point because he was a prominent member of the Jedi Council. He was the embodiment of every ideal that the Jedi held because he was so perfect. Right. You know, I think maybe that would have been easier for him to do just because Obi Wan was such a strong representation of everything that Anakin was issuing. Yeah, I'm confused as to what the point is you're making. I'm just saying that I don't think it's necessarily darker. I think it would have been an easier thing for him to do. What I'm saying, or I guess the point I was making is, I can see where his presence in the Force would be more similar to Anakin as we know him, even when he's killing the younglings, because he's struggling. He doesn't want to do this, but he has to save Padme because he couldn't save his mom. And then by the time he's fighting Obi-Wan his presence in the force may have shifted more because he hates obi-wan he hates all for all the reasons you're mentioning he hates the jedi and he feels betrayed by padme at this point remember because mm-hmm. he's like you brought him here to kill me no, i remember and she's like so, you're breaking my heart and there's yeah. a meme that says don't be silly padme it's pronounced neck <laughs> liar um, but Obi-Wan does the cool spread hands on hips dance. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You know what's up. And he does like the, the supernatural making your voice deeper. Let her go. It's gotta be authoritative. Yeah. If you were, I mean, imagine it's you or me and we're trying to intimidate another grown man. We gotta Just beat him to death. Hey, stop hey. that. Hey kid. Hey kid. So, um, I just think that his presence in the force might have shifted a little bit and so um, maybe that's the difference. But that's neither here nor there. So Anakin's coming back. It's a large role. We don't know if it's nightmares, flashbacks, whatever. But Hayden, welcome back, my dude, yeah. to the world of Star Wars post-Disney. Welcome you survived. back to America. You've been in the Great White North all this time. Yeah. Needless to say, it's a lot to think about. It's gotten us thinking clearly. Super stoked. But today we're focusing on Darth Maul. Let's get into this nitty gritty. More? More?
And we're back. For uh, those of you who didn't understand what we were talking about, there's a story there. More? So when Maul had become a more prevalent figure in the Rebels series. Well, it's, it's his first, it's Twilight of the Apprentice season two when you meet him again. Right. But I'm saying he's now, he's not just showing up, he's playing an influential role, is what I mean to say. You know, he's clearly guiding the path of Ezra at this point. Right. And uh, he reveals his name, and he says, Maul. Yeah, he says, they're like, oh, is, are you Darth Maul? And he says, formerly Darth, now just Maul. And we are watching it here in this house, and we are watching it downstairs, because we have a huge projector screen down there. We want it to be cinematic. We wanted to enjoy it. My dad's there, and my dad... We want an immersive experience. As oblivious as ever, it goes, more? He thought he said more. Yeah, he goes, formerly Darth, now just more. And so, you hear Dad go, more? So, completely ruined the... And we, were, we paused and we were like, what? What? Dad was there in 1999 when we saw Maul for the first time on the big screen. He was there. <laughs> Who's this witch? Yeah, another story <laughs> for another time on that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's talk about the man himself. Darth Moore. Yeah, Darth Moore. Uh, so, Zabrick. what sparked your um, what sparked your desire to so, want to talk about Darthy Darth? Yeah, today? last week I talked about how I was rereading through Master and Apprentice, so that was heavy on my mind, and I completed that, and I was thinking, you know, what should I do? I'm trying to save credits for all the new releases that are coming up. Oh, um, on Audible, you yeah, mean? Yeah, on Audible, and so I. Thought it would be good to revisit Mall Mall Lockdown by Joe Schreiber. Um, I love Joe's writing style. It's great. I like that we've discussed this, but I like that the chapters are so short. They're so short. If on audio, you know, you're measuring those in minutes. They're twelve minutes tops, fifteen minutes. If he's getting crazy, uh, <laughs> and so it's nice. It's just I can't stop. I don't know. There, you know, on the complete other end of the spectrum, there's right. our guy Marcus Heights and. Oh my god. He's written, you know, the Dwarf series, which is five books now, and then the spinoff series, which I think is three or four books. Each of those is like anywhere between 600 and like almost 1,200 pages. Mm -hmm. And those chapters, they can last, you know, as long as an hour and a half. And, you know, it's just this twisting, winding story. Right. Um, Well, with with Marcus Heights, the way he writes is very, um, like, I don't, I really don't understand it. And he's German, so I don't really like... It's it's very there's a language There's a language barrier where I can't go, hey, what's with the chapters? Yeah. Um, but it's, to me, a chapter is a, it's a paragraph. Right. It, it's a concept. Yeah. And so the way that Joe writes is it's very, very... It's compartmentalized. It's very nice. Each, yes. There is a very apparent theme in each of them. Also, I can tell that Joe Schreiber is a fan of the music group Mute Math. Because there's a chapter named Mute Math, and that's the only thing it could possibly be referring to. Because I did research when I was like, does that mean something I don't know that it meant? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. So he's just a fan of the group. So that's pretty cool, Joe. I um, like that he names his uh, chapters, too. Yeah, I like when art, or, uh, authors do that. I think that is a very cool... It just, I don't know, it personalizes the story a little bit. And it it's, helps me to remember yeah. what goes on in those well, chapters. Well, it's kind of like... <clears throat> it's kind of like... Um, you know, when you're writing a message, like you're going to go speak to like a youth group or something, and you're like, I can't start until I find a title. 
I know the concept, but what am I going to call this? And it's like, you're literally going to say at the beginning, hey guys, start, we'll tell you what we're talking about, XYZ, yeah. and nobody cares. Uh, right. But I do like that. Um, and yeah, I remember <clears throat> my first yeah. introduction to Joe as a Star Wars writer was the book Death Troopers, which you still haven't read. Um, I mean, but perfect. It's, uh, it's Star Wars zombies, so what's there to not love? Um, but it's super good, and uh, I remember I was uh, I was in college at the time, and I was reading it, and I would think to myself, oh, that chapter was only like three or four pages. I'll read another one. And it just started to be like, you know. It's like eating M&M's. It's like, yeah, I was I was, I was going to make almost the same thing. Why do they even give you breaks in the Kit Kat bar? <laughs> We're going to eat all four. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just break me up a piece yeah. of this eat, whole thing. Watch, yeah, watching a, or watching, reading a Joe Schreiber book is just eating a pack of M and M's, but a big pack. You know what I mean? And it, but you're just having. But the M and M's are manageable. Just one little M and M at a time, and you're, you know, maybe you're watching a movie. You're not paying attention to how much, and before you know it, you've eaten the entire half a pound bag of M and M's. They're like, hazelnut, though, so they're they're better for you. Yeah, they got pretzels in there. It's nutrition. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so you're reading Lockdown. Yeah. So it's fresh on the mind, and even though it's published the after the buyout of Disney, apparently the contract sort of. Yeah, my guess is right. that the book so, contract and the idea and all that stuff was happening before, and they didn't want to cancel the book itself. Yeah. But it did not fall under the new Disney canon. Which I'm glad they did, but I wish they would have just done that, so I wouldn't have the taste of. I don't know. I don't like the fact that it should be canon and it's not just based on the timeline in the real world. I theorize that because Plagueis is so heavily involved and it talks about so much of Sidious and Maul's relationship previous to episode yeah, one. Yeah, just there's there's a lot of stuff that they could unpack on their own. Right. right. You know? And he, he does, he, meaning Joe Schreiber, does confirm a lot of the things or reiterates a lot of the little small things that um, happen in the Plagueis novel. Right. As far as, you know, what Plagueis, or, yeah, both Plagueis and Palpatine are doing um, on Corazon at the time leading up to episode one and how they plan to destabilize the Outer Rim. Like, that's basically the ultimate goal, even though you're seeing Maul's one part in the plan. You Mm -hmm. know, that's the ultimate goal is to work toward that Outer Rim destabilization, you know, that makes episode one possible, that makes, you know, Misa propose, you know, the, you know, moving towards the the end game. So important. So, so important to the Star Wars canon. Yes. <laughs> Almost as important Let's as me getting my heroin. <laughs> I just had to bring that one back. Uh, but yeah, I think that, yeah, it's it's just cool. It's a really cool um, breakdown of Maul's character. And I would say that for, you'd have to look it up, but I don't know what year they brought. I know that it was season four, but I don't know what, what year they brought Maul back into Life back to reality. I don't know what what time he was brought back or what year he was brought back to life in the Clone Wars. Um, but let's see. When did Clone Wars start? 2012? No. No way. Um, but <clears throat> Joe Schreiber's uh, version of him is very sophisticated, um, but also still a savage. And so I loved how... Um, All right, season four would have been 2011. Ooh. So Maul would have already been back when Joe Schreiber wrote this. 2008. 
was when it started. I'm sorry, two thousand. Did I say two thousand seven or two thousand eleven? Eleven. Okay. So eight was when it started. Good God, rolled. Um, but yeah, I remember when the characters first came out. I was like, this is stupid. You know, <laughs> mainly like, even even though you look at like the characters anyway, and they already look like cartoons. I was like, now they're making cartoon cartoons. Cartoon, cartoon. Do you remember that cartoon channel, Cartoon Network? Yeah, I remember Cartoon Network. But remember, that was their, I'm saying that was their first, like, little, it would be like, doom, 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 and it would be like, whatever character, Dexter's Lab, cartoon, cartoon. You don't remember that? Yeah, I remember it. All right, well, I remember going to Gaddy Town and being like, I'm eating my pizza oh, in the God Cartoon God. Network room. So, actually, the episode where Maul made his return yeah. was the very end of the episode previous to the season finale for for season four. Oh, and really? So he really comes back in season five. <sighs> so right around the time of the buyout would have been when, or at least the buyout's in talks by now. It's 2012. Right. So, but nevertheless, the book comes out after mm-hmm. after the whatever. Um, so I just really like the way that he he writes Maul because he writes him more sophisticated. Because yeah. a lot of stuff that we had read was just very barbaric before yeah. then. Um, and he gives him a sophistication that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also doesn't hurt that he kills a wampa with his bare hands in yeah, like that is one of the first cool. first chapters. Yeah, so it's, uh, the whole thing is sick. It's based on like this whole Fight Club concept. So basically, yeah. there's a I don't know whatever. It came it's, out 2014. It's, it's, Can I spoil it's it? The, it's the dagum. It's the whole premise of the story. You're gonna get three chapters in before you realize this. So the whole idea is Maul's going in to infiltrate this prison to try to get hold of a crime lord. He's a, um, he's a like a galactic wide influential weapons dealer. He's like highly specialized, and yeah. people like he's so specialized, but also so mythic that a lot of people don't even think he exists. What's his name? Uh, Iram Radik. I'm looking for Iram Radik. Isn't that read by Jonathan Davis? It is Jonathan Davis. Ah, I knew it. When Jonathan Davis as, has like four voices. As soon as I read it, I was like, or Hurt said it out loud. Yeah, his maul is very Bane. Just a little less of this and some more of this. So I think of his maul and Bane is different. I think of his maul as like any of the other Sith Lords in uh, Path of Destruction. Yeah, Literally but it's super cool. Um, but it's basically you have to fight, 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 fight to stay alive. Um, and he, there's, it's like black market, like people from all over the galaxy are tuning into this, he goes into a prison. It's not black market. It's very public because the IBC is doing like a quarterly report. That's Plagueis' part in it because Plagueis wants to know what Sidious is actually up to. And so Plagueis is using his connections with the intergalactic banking clan, sends a guy named Vesto Sliffer, which I believe also makes an appearance in Plagueis. Yes. Um, to basically get the business side of it and at the but, same time be tracking what Maul's doing on the inside. But is the is the fighting known? Or is no, it... No, it's, it's, it's well known. It is it? Yeah. For whatever reason, I seem to recall that it's very, like, hush-hush, and they the prison just makes... just has money. No, the prison, like, the whole purpose of COG... It's called COGHIVE 7. The whole purpose of it is for the The prison is cool because it, like, moves around and shifts around and... Yeah. So instead of... You can't really have gangs, like, all in one place because... Instead of throwing all the characters that are fighting characters, people Mm -hmm. who are fighting... We get it. They'll... Instead of just tossing them into an arena, what they'll have them is they'll all be in their cell and the the prison will reorient 
and put the ones that are fighting right next to each other. Dude, as I get older, the adult side of my brain kicks in, even though I'm reading a book about Star Wars, and I think, now how many taxpayers' dollars went to this ridiculous prison so that they could have a fight? I was just thinking about that. It's entirely privatized. How much money did it cost is still a factor. Not as much as it makes. Yeah, but the idea is it must have been expensive. Yeah, I'm sure, but, you know, it's like a... Think of Big like, risk. Think of how High much risk. money a casino makes, and that's within the context of one nation, one planet. Yeah. Think about the most consistent income in the entire galaxy. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. That's pretty sweet revenue. Yeah. So, anyways, we don't, we don't have to jump too far into the book because it's kind of putting us in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Maul is just one of those characters that is, uh, I feel like, maybe, correct me on this, um, but I would say that between him and, like, Anakin Skywalker, most I think that... Most appearances in Star Wars? Most appearances, I was thinking that. but I think his story is the most complete. There's a chunk of time there. There is... There's a chunk of time hmm. after Clone Wars and before Solo that needs to be explored, and then after Solo and between Rebels that needs to be explored. But as far as we know, we freaking basically have a story from birth until after Clone Wars. We yeah, have like well, 20 years. Legends from birth. No, we, it's in Clone in in a Son of Dathomir comic, which is. Did they do flashbacks for that? Because like, they, I, as they, far as I know, me personally, the story that I have of him from a baby was in Plagueis. Sidious finds him as a baby. But that's, yeah, that's been retconned. Yeah, that's why I'm he's, saying. He's Mother Talzin's son that was stolen by Sidious. And that's in either a book or a comic that is canon. Um, it might be in Son of Dathomir. But basically, he's stolen as a kid. And Sidious was going to train Mother Talzin as his apprentice and instead stole her son because he could have more control over a child than he could her because she was already a full-fledged dark side user. Mm-hmm. And so we basically know his whole... I mean, we don't know details, but we know he's training with Sidious. And I think that's why they... they um, one of the reasons that they canned Plagueis as legends is because, one... Uh, it flushes out Palpatine's character too much if they want to do that. It flushes out uh, Plagueis' character too much. And it kind of shoehorns Maul into this brutal assassin, never really capable of being of Sith Lord kind of character, which obviously is not the direction that they wanted to take Maul after all. Mm. And so we know about that style. So he's stolen from Mother Talzin on Dathomir as a baby. He's raised by Darth Sidious. But Sidious is so powerful, Talzin doesn't know where he is, and she doesn't, she, even at the end of the day, she really doesn't have a way to face him one-on-one to try to get her son back. So she kind of just lets him go. And then it's after episode one that his rage and his anguish are keeping him alive on that trash planet that she kind of has a way to track him, and that's that necklace that she gives Savage Press in season five, or four of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know his whole timeline up until that... Um, his wounds were cauterized by the lightsaber wound on Naboo. So that's why this top half of him could stay alive without the bottom half or whatever. Can he Where does the poop go? I don't know. I know you're thinking that. But um, we're all thinking. We know that whole story. Then they pick him up and then he's basically uh, insane. 
and then they kind of restore his sanity. Mother Talzin kind of, you know, puts the puzzle pieces back together. She creates magical, like, um, Sith sorcery style legs for him. Um, and it's cool because as he's fighting Obi-Wan or someone, he's he's hurting and the magical legs are like destroyed by bullets or something. I can't remember what what destroys those legs. Uh, remember they're like all green and yeah, dusty? Yeah, that is when they're fighting on the planet uh, where Hondo's planet is. Yeah, know. so he barely makes it out alive and yeah. his legs are all busted up because the pirates are shooting at him if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it was mostly actually when he was fighting Obi-Wan. When Obi-Wan is pretty balling in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes he, off he Savage's takes, arm. Well, he fights Savage and Maul at the same time mm-hmm. and holds him off very successfully until Hondo manages to get, you know, the rest of the weak way to back him again and right. they start shooting and kind of overwhelm him. And so then they're floating in space pretty much on the brink of death's door and that's when the Mandalorians find him in pre Vizsla. They basically give him new legs and those are the legs that he has for forever after that. Mm-hmm. So thanks for Mandalorian. Yeah, actual medical, like attachment. You think they're made of Beskar? No. Yeah, they just had it lying around before the purge. I don't think they. Had, I don't yeah, think they would they use it ever for just lying about. I don't think they're using it for. Uh, for prosthetics. For Maul. Yeah. Um, so then, once uh, he Maul meets Pre Vizsla, I'm kind of taking the whole story here, but Maul meets Pre Vizsla, and they that's when they start the Shadow Collective. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that story kind of, it fluctuates in and out, you know, his connections with the crime syndicates and that's kind of where he stays until somewhere after Solo and t- then he becomes more, uh, monastic, almost her- hermetic mm-hmm. where he's, wow, sorry, gosh, <laughs> I know words, sue me. Hey, you uh, got mad at me last week. You, you got mad at me last week. I did not get mad. For saying parasitical. You said pharisaical after you got on to me for saying laissez-faire, so pod kettle. Uh, yeah, but then you're two for two with the big words this week. Yeah, but we're not talking about Voss. We're talking about my boy Maul. And uh, so there's some some point in that where he gets off of the idea of just becoming this power monger and starts to, I don't know, it just seems like he focuses more on the Force, more of the things that the Force are doing instead of just trying to become... Yeah, it's powerful. a weird... I don't know. His character is so, like... That transition's never really explained to me. Well, yeah, there's... Man, come on, Disney Plus. Who doesn't want to see freaking Maul running the crime syndicates? And then something happens. Here's my huge question mark that I need. But I'll take a book. I feel like maybe um, but there's after scared of getting back on Sidious's radar. Is my maybe. guess. I don't know. Because when it I was the Republic, happens. when it was the Republic, he was bothering the Republic mostly. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now it's the Empire. He's, well, yeah, he can't. Any interference is directly bothering Palpatine. Right. Well, when the Republic is he being, knows that. When the Republic's being agitated, it's like, well, Palpatine can't really step out, or Sidious can't really step out of the shadows and make systems. a big deal. Right. But now it's, yeah, like, it's it's Palpatine's Empire. Mm-hmm. It's not just, he's not the guy, he's not the store manager, he owns the store now. Right. Um, and so, but there's a, there's a in-controlness that he has as the leader of Crimson Dawn mm-hmm. or the Shadow Collective. And here's the thing. At one point, and this is, this is probably broken up after season seven of the Clone Wars, but at one point, 
the Mandalorians, the Pikes, um, the Black Sun, and Crimson Dawn all work for Maul. Right. At by the end of season seven of the Clone Wars, and as Seizure Mandalore is taking place, he kind of cuts ties with the Mandalorians because he says, "Remember, he says die well to Gar Saxon," and that's pretty funny because like two days later, Gar Saxon's working for the Empire. Um, and then you have so the Mandalorians are gone, so that's one fourth of the faction. Then you have um, Black Sun, who we haven't heard from since then. So I assume they, they're gone. Not gone, gone, but they leave the Shadow Collective. And then you have Crimson Dawn and the Pikes, who both work for Maul, but by Solo... It's just Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn talks about... There's a delicate... Uh, it's... um, What's his name? Homeboy from... That plays Vision. Dryden Voss says that there is a... A the other boss. Shaky collection, yeah. There's a shaky connection between um, the Pikes and Crimson Dawn. And maybe they work together and they're just rivals back and forth, but he makes it yeah. sound like they're a different company that they have like a barely functioning relationship with. What's interesting about that is that in Maul Lockdown, uh, in order to gain more control and influence in Cog Hive 7, he overtakes both of the rival organizations yeah are inside the prison itself and basically the unifies them bone kings and gravity massive those are both sick names yeah gravity massive is particularly cool i think oh, I, was Star Wars say, context. I was gonna say bone kings i mean yeah but that's like i don't know there are things about mall lockdown that i think they're too earthen like they're too tied to our kind of culture mm-hmm. you know like i said the the joe schreiber makes clear references to like chemical compounds that are well known here and yeah but i think that the the talk of chemical compounds is so spacey that the average person doesn't catch that kind of thing your mind is in a different place where you're like what do you mean i don't i don't particularly care for your use of the word monoxide well, he i mean like he the said, average reader is not going to get a, a an ammonium based cleaning product and i just think that's i don't know i think of that as i earth. do think it is very earthy but i also think like but I have 99 percent like of he said coffee instead of calf that that's, is that's a that's big not one star wars that's a big one um so little things like that but poop i, I think oh i think uh yeah i think gravity massive is a hey star in episode wars one um rick ollie says we'll be sitting ducks no not rick ollie that's uh captain panaka yeah. but he's like we'll be sitting ducks and i saw has ducks I saw a meme I where it's like, him. we'll be sitting ducks, and Quagin goes, what the F is a duck? Um, but uh, I would say that, or, yeah. Or uh, Empire. I'll see you in hell. Yeah, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh my god, Star Wars is real. Because, um, of course, I was a little kid when I first saw Empire. But um, I think that when, isn't that funny that of all the things humans didn't connect me to Star Wars, it was the fact that hell was where people were going. Yeah. Once um, I think about it, the Bone Kings were like a pretty much... I feel like Joe Schreiber made that definitely like the white supremacist faction because it's all like big bald humans. Big bald human guys mm-hmm. and they wear skulls for like face masks. I don't remember that. I know the leader, his name is a Nailhead. He's got a bone that he put through his nose. Yeah. Nailhead, which is that's how Jonathan Davis talks. Um, but I really like... Uh... Anyway, so you have the, the idea where... He still has control of Crimson Dawn, it looks like, or he goes back and gets it again from uh, from whoever's running it. I assume he never loses control, but there's that moment where he's uh, at the end of Season 7, the Seizure of Mandalore, where he's like, um, I guess where does he end up? He's captured, and then when Order 66 takes place, he gets away, and Ahsoka and Rex crash land. 
So we don't really know where he goes. Right. I assume he goes to Dathomir. I home base. Feel, I feel like that's where he's just hanging out for a long time because that's where he's at still at the end of Solo. Come to he me tells, on Dathomir. Kira, right? He tells her yeah. to go to him on Dathomir. Oh, Kira. Um, but nice. yeah, it's like what happens between there and Solo seems like he's more kind of still in control of the right. crime syndicate. I'm more concerned than I need more answers about the timeline between Solo and Rebels because when we meet him in season two of Rebels, he's very, very uh, downcast. It seems like he's at everything. You know, he says, the Sith took everything from me. You know what I mean? Like there's... yeah. I don't know. And I think he goes by the name um, The Shadow. That's his name. What's interesting... I don't think he goes by Maul anymore. I think he kind of needs to lay low. So he goes by the by the name The Shadow, is my understanding. Because he has The Shadow Collective, but when the Inquisitors find him, they go, The Shadow. Yeah, I... It's funny because Maul almost becomes like a mini Palpatine, right? Where he's in control of these various powers throughout the galaxy but he doesn't yeah, he's like a mon- specifically he's like a microcosm yeah of of palpatine's world hmm. you like that one it's a little right. it's an old older coach sir but it checks out, it checks out. Um, but basically uh you know what i think could happen and i'm curious about this but one how the crap does he get by the time okay after solo but man can we get a solo two on disney plus also, whatever, everyone that knows me knows I'm more conservative, but uh, Disney, uh, Solo 2 is should be thought about, at least as a Disney Plus, and Solo 1 did not fail because Solo sucked, it's because everybody, for the most part, didn't like The Last Jedi, at least upon initial viewings, and also when you tried to make Lindo Calrissian pansexual, that really ticked off the average human being. And so that's why Solo sucked in theaters. Because Solo itself is arguably the best movie since Disney took over. But it's all the bullcrap beforehand. Sorry, I should get that one You know what I was kind of surprised about? How much... uh, What's his name? Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. (laughs) How much he liked... uh, Did you see how he signaled that? (laughs) L337T. L337. 3-7, yeah. Supposed to be a T. Yeah, but I, I just give a, two craps about Ben Shiro's Star Wars opinion. No, I just thought it was interesting that he is like and the droid and uh, the right wing robot, yeah. and then he likes the left wing robot. <laughs> he is a robot, and the droid and Solo is the best droid in Star Wars history. And I'm talking at one and a half speed. That Babylon B article that says he starts answering questions so fastly that the crowd starts bidding. Yeah. That's freaking funny, bro. I went to send that to you, and then Facebook was like, hey, this article's over a year old. And I was like, yeah, get off my back about it. I'll share what I want to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, wow. We're not allowed to share anything on Facebook that isn't pre-approved and from CNN. Is that it? Oh, Zuckerberg, you. That guy's a creep. I don't want to get into it, but. I saw something. That guy's been to the island, if you know what I'm saying. Oh my God. It's just a it's just been canceled. <laughs> right. We'll be posting strictly on YouTube while it lasts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but there's the time after Solo before his he's in Rebels where he seems to lose everything. I mean, he doesn't even have a shirt on. <laughs> and he's he's got a hood. 
It looks cool for the cartoon, but what's the practicality of the no shirt hood underground look? Like, what are you blocking from? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anybody to know who I am, but I'll tell you if you ask. (laughs) They're like, so who are you? And he's like, Maul, Darth Maul, remember me? If you look up uh, the Great Naboo Crisis, I'm the guy that killed a Jedi by the name of Qui-Gon Jinn. But it's crazy because mentally, you I know think... if you think about it, oh, I was I was done making my point. Don't worry. <laughs> Good, because uh, if you think about it, Maul is responsible for the ultimate pro- ultimate victory of the light side, because he killed Qui Gon, which made Qui Gon able to finish Yoda's training and to finish Obi Wan's training, who made it possible to finish Luke's training to bring balance to the Force. That's a yeah. It's interesting. It's a stretch. I think if Qui Gon doesn't die, there's a there's a high 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 chance that Palpatine doesn't take over because Anakin doesn't fall to the dark side. I think Palpatine still would have done it. But then Vader never would have been around to uh, never would have been around to bring balance in the end. Who brought balance? Yes. Luke and Vader, they both Um, did it. Yeah. I think Palpatine. Father, please! I think... Wasn't uh, that wimpy guy that just wanted to go go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters? The Eric Foreman of Star Wars? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Vader definitely is the one that brings balance, but I think that Luke's true Jedi selflessness... Certainly plays a role. Certainly plays a role. And George Lucas uh, talks about the fact, and the Dave Filoni talks about the fact on uh, Disney Plus's Gallery Mandalorian, um, that... Vader never having a true father figure, because of course Obi-Wan's kind of an older brother from the start. Um, Vader never having a true father figure, when he sees Luke hurting, he sees the opportunity to be the father and protect him the way that he was never protected. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a tearjerker. But, What's um, interesting is that... Uh, it's I think Maul about... could have stopped if they could have freaking killed Anakin. That could have helped a little. That would have been sick. I think Anakin would probably beat Maul, but... Uh, I Wait. think Kid Anakin? No Oh I thought we were still In episode one on Naboo Spinning's a good trick Right out, And you're like <laughs> And then Anakin Flies in his Naboo fighter And blasts Blasts Darth Maul Into oblivion Hey You shoot two missiles Out of a freaking Naboo cruiser At Darth Maul There's a chance he dies He'll handle it What I'm saying is in ep- uh, Between episode two and three At the end of Clone Wars When he says Skywalker is the key To everything Yeah he was hoping Skywalker would come. And I think that's the I, mental... I, I think Anakin takes that battle, personally. I do, too. But I also I think... I still pay to watch it. Though. But think about this. Think about this, okay? Where we are right now with the world and everything going on with the coronavirus, if someone has it, even if you're asymptomatic, you go into quarantine. Um, so, like, you know, the NBA is meeting down in Orlando right, right. now to try to resume. Yes. And if someone gets sick, they have to be quarantined so they don't affect everyone else. Right. So if Maul says, like, imagine Ahsoka's dead off somewhere. Who cares? And Obi-Wan and Anakin are the ones on Mandalore. And Maul says, you're going to be the one that brings about the fall of the Jedi. You're the one that Sidious wants. Even if they kill Maul, it puts that... Ugh. That just slammed the back door or the whole house down there. I think that was your. <laughs> Who's the most puppy? 
particular noun. Paul. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I'm best at this. I'm doing best at this. I think um I think if Obi-Wan sees you know I think Obi-Wan's a thinker enough that if he sees what's going on with Anakin and he hears Maul talk about that and, and Maul's talking clear headedly and he's saying Kenobi, after this I will kill you, but give me five minutes because he's the key. <laughs> like, I think just seeing Maul distance himself from that animalistic, I'm going to kill Kenobi, for five minutes and him going, hear me out, we have to kill Anakin. I think even if they kill Maul, it puts a microscope over Anakin where he's not able, he's not able to have kind of the breakdown that he has. Or... It opens up Anakin's eyes a little bit to go, oh crap, I'm being led astray. I have three thoughts. One, regardless of how much... (laughs) Regardless of how much foresight Anakin has, he's still going to fall into the Padme trap. Because that still haunts him that he was never able to save his mother. Yeah, okay. And... I'm sorry. Yeah. He's the older brother, do you know that? And uh, and the one with the broader sense of humor, I would say. I knew I knew you. Continue. May I? Proceed. All right. And, uh, gosh dang it. No, I don't you got three thoughts. One, yeah, he's going to fall into the Padme trap no matter where I'm going. I don't think that Obi-Wan would have bought it. I don't think Obi-Wan would have had enough faith in the fact that Anakin could fall until he actually saw it happen. Because even when he was watching the hollow security vids of Anakin killing younglings, Mm -hmm. he was still struggling with believing it. The other thing is that when we were on the Mortis arc, all it took for Anakin to turn immediately was a vision of the future, and he was already dark side. Mm -hmm. So I think ever since about that time, he's already teeter-tottering. And I don't think that Give me some of your thoughts. I don't think that Maul just bringing something up would stop Anakin from going full dark side if he had a revelation of the reasons that ultimately turned him both in the Mortis Hark and in Episode 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, also, something that I'm forgetting to... Something that helps your point, that hurts my point, is that Anakin doesn't think... Like, there's no reason for Anakin to think he's going to go dark yet. Because he's not having those nightmares until episode three takes place, which is after Clone Wars season seven. Order 66 happens. Oh, it is parallel. So he's already having those nightmares basically oh, by the frick. time that oh, you're right. season seven starts. He's already there. Because she's already pregnant. Yeah. Oh, freak. Well, that makes it, that's a point for me. He's already having well, those dreams. Yeah, so he's already there basically. His fear, the seeds of fear have already been planted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying it's a point towards the fact that I think Obi Wan would still ask Anakin. Obi Wan is he's gonna he's gonna leave no stone unturned. He's he's gonna do everything he can to help Anakin and the Republic and everything. And I think if Maul says he's gonna fall dark, I think that even though we don't believe Maul, Obi Wan's the kind of guy to still have a follow up conversation and say, "What's going on?" Yeah, I think Anakin's just going to do what he's always done up until that point, which would be closet what's actually going on with him. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, though, because he's, he does, try, he's trying to balance both those lives. He's he trying does to be open a up to. And he's trying to be Jedi Master. Yeah, he does open up to 
um, Yoda, though, and say, you know, I'm having visions. Yeah, but I think that's just... I mean, there's a difference between looking for guidance and trying to interpret something and completely putting away those fears. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he's already yeah. clearly struggling with separation. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, this has turned into an Anakin talk. We have two more things we would like to say about the Maul legacy. Mm-hmm. I'll let you share the one that you like about what George Lucas says about Darth Maul's oh, character. Yeah, um, there's a Greek mythology character. Do you have it written down? Can I borrow this? Do you have it written down? No. Let me pull up my phone. I had it on my mind, but I totally lost my train of thought. Um, but it's interesting because Darth... Darth... <laughs> I almost said Darth George. That's <laughs> uh, me. Uh, but George Lucas <clears throat> uh, explains to Dave Filoni. I think Dave Filoni is the one I actually heard say the the analogy, but George had told it to him that um, Darth Maul or Maul as a character um, is similar to the Greek mythology character Sisyphus. And um, basically, Sisyphus's whole existence and the the sad part of of his tragedy, his story, is that Sisyphus is extremely strong, but he has this prison essentially that he's in, where he has this massive boulder, mm. the boulder, and he has to roll it up this hill, and no matter how many times he tries it, eventually it rolls back on top of him down into the valley and he has to go back down and he has to roll it up, roll it up, roll it up, roll it up, and it falls back onto him. And he never, ever can get over that hill, over that hump. And, um, and I think that that's a very accurate description of Maul. And I think that even if for a moment he gets right there to that peak, I honestly think that he spent so much of his life trying to get up the hill that kind of like what the Joker says in Dark Knight, he doesn't know what he'd do if he caught, you know, I'm just a dog chasing cars. I don't even know what I'd do if I caught one. Yeah. Like I think that Maul, one of the hard parts of his reality is he really doesn't know what he wants. You know, I don't think he really cares about power ultimately. Like he has a strong desire for power, but he knows he can't be the ultimate power. And I'm sure that really eats at him because yeah. the Sith in him wants to be the strongest character. Yeah. You can't I mean, be the second best yeah. Sith. That's that's not the point of the Sith. Well, and I think that's why he ultimately shirks the title of Darth, is that the end goal for every Sith apprentice is to overthrow his master. Right. Ever since the and he thinks, I think he knows that that's and impossible. And he knows he'll never be strong enough. And he's not, he's not in the group anymore. He's been kicked out of the Beatles. Yeah. And so I think it, it really stinks because I think... Up until Siege of Mandalore, he really thinks that there's a chance to topple Palpatine's plans. And after that, I really don't know what he's really gunning for during the solo time frame because it's like, okay, so you sell a ton of spice, sell a ton of drugs, move weapons. Like, what's the point? What are you trying to get here? And I don't think he ever is going to get in a place like he, when he was in, during the Shadow Collective, during the Clone Wars, that was the highest up in the authority rankings he was ever going to get. And I think that that's why we see his, de, uh, you know, his de-evolution towards rebels is because eventually it's like, you know what I never did do? I never did kill Kenobi. And I think I'm going to fall back on that. And uh, he believes that Kenobi is the reason that he's not in Vader's shoes. Perhaps. He, he feels, better, he feels uh, stronger than Dooku. We know that. We know that he thinks Dooku yeah, is a weakling. He, he hates Dooku's General trash. Grievous. 
Um, but he knows that he's not as powerful as Vader, but maybe he could have been if he could have kept training and underneath Sidious' well, tutelage, which is what Obi-Wan stole from him. It's interesting, too, because he's trying to get there. It's He's just trying to get as deep into the dark side as he can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he... I don't know, he almost has, like, that King Solomon moment where he, you know, he's gathered all this power and influence, and it ultimately came to nothing for him. Yeah, and And that's what I'm saying is, like, imagine how sad that is where Solomon talks about um, everything being meaningless. Yeah. Like, he has, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get, like, into a whole different, like, podcast on theology, but uh, there's this moment where Solomon... He's so wise, he's so rich, he's so influential. And as we have all have fantasies of how much money we could have or how many houses we could have or whatever, and Solomon has realities. Everything he could ever want in the whole world he has. All the women he wants, houses, riches, money, fame. He was known throughout the world. He had wisdom. Like he had all these things. Really anything and everything that a human being could desire, he had. And it paled in comparison and it was meaningless outside of a, a meaningful and strong relationship with God. Now translate that to Star Wars, the dark side of the Force is not, um, I don't really feel like it enriches the user because it's a perversion of the light side. You know what I mean? Like it's, the dark side is something that's to be used. It's a weapon. But the light side of the Force, you can almost kind of have that bond with it, which is why Qui-Gon was so in tune with the Cosmic Force that the Wills chose him to transcend reality, to transcend the physical plane. So if you're a Maul... What's the goal? And I think that's part of the reason that he has such a broken psyche is because ultimate power is unattainable. And that's why it all falls back on, I'm going to go kill Kenobi. And after that, maybe I can totally see, not to make this too dark or too real world, but I think that imagine he kills Kenobi. What the heck is next? Does he just kill himself? Like he's like that family guy sketch where the the freaking coyote finally gets Roadrunner. I don't know. I think... I mean, we can speculate. I think he would move on to Luke. I think Luke's connection to the Force would be well, too that's strong true. for him to ignore once he's killed Kenobi. That's true. And he kind of is picking up on the clues there. Yeah. And uh, I also think that he's looking to influence the galaxy now in new ways because he was always trying to be the apprentice, but you see him with Ezra, and now he's trying to be the master. He's trying right. to have a legacy that goes beyond him at that point in his life. Yeah. Um, I just think at his, at his heart of hearts... He knows. He knew in in Rebels, he says, I cannot defeat Vader alone. So he knows he's not strong enough to defeat Vader. Then he knows for sure he's not strong enough to defeat the Emperor. Yeah, and I don't think he ever had the illusion that he would ever become more powerful than Sidious. Right. So at the end, I guess that's my question is, ultimately, if you're Maul, if you just put yourself in his little robotic shoes for a second, unpack what you think his endgame is in a perfect world... Out, you know, but still have realistic expectations. Right. Well, in here's one of the things about Maul Lockdown that I thought was cool was that Sidious is obviously going to be Sith Master, right? And so he's got to be hard. He's got to be condescending always. Mm-hmm. But you pull apart, you know, their connection a little bit. And Sidious, after he stops talking to Maul for a minute, was reflecting on how impressed he was with Maul and his dedication to the ultimate plane of the dark side. Mm-hmm. And... Um, how capable he was and how well he was doing, even though he could have done better in Sidious's mind. Right. He still came away more impressed than he expected to be. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that are sketchy with Maul's like, okay, buddy, let's control our emotions and stuff like that. But out of all the people who help Maul, I mean uh, Sidious, 
I would say that Maul is the most committed. Well, and more than what, Vader, what I'm more driving than anybody. to is that Palpatine saw something in Maul that was uh, something worth noting. And it's very rare that you see that reaction from Sidious about anybody. Yeah. I mean, this is to Anakin, who's the strongest Force user ever. Right. And so I think that Maul in game and his perfect universe would have just carried on the will of the dark side. He seems to be more infatuated that with that than personal gain. Even though at some point, you know, especially in season seven, he's saying in all this chaos, there's an opportunity to seize power. Mm-hmm. He sees that, and then, but as he gets older, he's just trying to move influence. He's still trying to be a player on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just playing the game, and I think that's what he's going for ultimately, still just to play a part. He's still trying to be committed to the greater movement of the Force within the galaxy. Yeah, I think that he just wants his own little... I think at his peak, he's like the Joe Exotic of Star Wars, where he's got his own little... What? Just say it. Why is that bad? It's not. Just tell him why you're wearing the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I didn't even bring up the shirt. I think Darth Maul is the Joe Exotic of Star Wars because all he wanted was his little, his little slice of fame, his little slice of heaven out there in Oklahoma, raising a bunch of tigers. Um, he just wanted to have his own piece of power in the universe. I don't think he really ever expected to own the whole thing. He just wanted to be a meth smoking country music star. That's it. Um, I saw a tiger. Imagine Maul. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, I think Maul ultimately <laughs> is more cognizant of everything going on than anyone wants to give him credit for. Yeah. Right? Because And I think season, season seven, seven blows that up. Right. That he's the only one outside of Sidious himself. And he has like a little bit of it, an advantage there because he was Sidious's apprentice for a while, even though Sidious never, ever trusted him with the grand design. He gets a glimpse of everything going on. He's so connected to the Force that he's actually able to perceive the most well-guarded intent in mm-hmm. all of Star Wars. And not only, um, not just a cloud of it, like there's right. something happening. It's a full-on, right. he, here's he the Dagon blueprint. He sees the essential pieces. And you know what? I think that the Jedi would have been capable of doing that if the Shroud of the Dark Side was not against them. So Maul's kind of like the perfect player to up Insidious in that moment if Ahsoka had her head on straight and believed him. Right. But I mean, then, I get the point that you wouldn't believe Maul, but... But it, then it comes full circle again when he faces Kenobi on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And he has his last moments and he goes to fight Kenobi. And even though Kenobi destroys him in like half a second. Yeah. Because... Peak I, Obi-Wan. I think Maul underestimated him. I think he was just... He thought Maul, or he thought that Kenobi was hiding out, that he would he had just disconnected, you know. And all this time, Kenobi's meditating, he's training, he's still, you know, he's probably the most powerful he's ever been to this point. It's the ultimate Uncle Iroh thing. Yeah, remember and, when Iroh's like, yeah, Prince you know, Iroh. Yeah, yeah, and then he Absolutely takes off his shredded. shirt and he's freaking like one arm pull ups, yeah. eating an apple. I think that's him. I think, I think Maul expects Kenobi to be in the same mental mental place that he's in. There's nothing left for us in the galaxy. We're like he kind of right. he almost well, he identif- thinks he's just been hiding out. He almost yeah he almost identifies with Obi Wan in that moment and goes we were cast aside. But then when Kenobi kills him, you know he gives him a mortal wound. He has this revelation. Oh, he's been doing stuff out here, and that's yeah. when he starts to piece together. He has that epiphany that Kenobi has a purpose here, and now 
Well, that's that's you know, right before the fight. He's like, "What are you doing here?" Right. And he's but like, he "You're says protecting." He, he's the chosen one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's the last thing he says. And, and you, so you know what I love? I love that Dave Filoni has the mental capacity, and this reminds me of George a lot, because <clears throat> Star Wars fans are the worst. They're just so like Star Wars is so powerful, and Star Wars is so uh, people feel like they own a part of it because it's such a big part of a lot of people's lives. That if things don't happen the way that they want, it's almost like, you know, you did it wrong because Snoke wasn't who I thought he was. You know what I mean? And so I love that George and Dave Filoni both have the guts to say, have Maul have that moment of clarity that says he's the chosen one. Even though Anakin's still the chosen one. And I love that Obi-Wan says yes. Because in that moment, that would have been the truth to Obi-Wan. Luke's the only option. Mm -hmm. Anakin's you know, worse than dead. He's more machine now than man. But I think that um, it's so it's so ironic and kind of silly, but in the moment, if you're watching it, it's so sad that Darth Maul says he's the chosen one. He almost dies light side. It's, he almost dies like, you know, has that clarity from the light, like he said. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, he is. And then Maul's last words are, us. Yeah. Like it all still boils down to I'm gonna get you back. Yeah. He's still got that that feistiness in him. But I just think it's cool to see Maul's character go from almost this animalistic level of primal rage. You yeah. Know, that's just raw power that Sidious kind of refines and then Maul ultimately shapes himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and then finally comes around to where he's seeing even the bigger picture than the Jedi ever saw, than yeah. Sidious ever saw. Yeah. You know. Who okay, so um before we go, um what do you think is prime Maul? When is Maul at his most powerful and at his best? I would have to assume sometime around solo. Um after season seven? Yeah, I think so. Because that's when he's still kinda of scrambling, he's still kinda of recovering, he's starting to get a glimpse of what's coming up. Uh-huh. Right? And we see him What do you mean? He gets a glimpse of what's coming up. I mean, he knows Order 66 is about to happen. That's like the that's the complete turn of this whole state of the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he's still reeling. He's still scrambling a little bit. He sees opportunity, um, but obviously he's still having trouble. You know, he still gets captured. He still loses to Ahsoka in that moment. Um, I think he's... Yeah, in, technically. I think he's most in control. I think he's most powerful and most... I don't know, most clear-headed probably about the time of Solo before he starts to draw back. Yeah, I think you make a good point because it's, um, even if we don't understand the ends that he's going towards, Mm -hmm. you know, through the means of Red Dawn and all that. um, He clearly has a plan of some sort. He has some kind of a plan, right. But I think that it's, uh, the board is more set and more certain at this point because the Empire exists. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, there's not the guessing game. It's kind of like if you, I don't know, it's hard, there's, there's an analogy I want to make, but it's like if you're playing a sport and you know you're not going to win, you can just kind of focus on your game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that Ma- Maul is that kind of Joker character that's just reaping chaos because when he gets beaten by Kenobi and Hondo's pirates... And he's rescued by the Mandalorians, the uh, Death Watch. Death Watch. 
he sees an evolution of opportunity and he adjusts his plans accordingly. Right. Like he had a goal at one yeah, point. Yeah, he's not. And he he's sees, not chaos. He sees more opportunity and he sees bigger ambition, and so he changes his plans. Yeah. You know, and he says as much. He says, you know, the the plans changed. Yeah. So I think. I don't know that he ever would have stalled out if he would have been able to meet his goals. You know, he clearly never got the boulders at the top of the mountain. He was clearly never satiated with where mm-hmm. he was at. But I think he's cognizant enough and aware enough of everything that's moving on around him that he's able yeah. to adjust his goals to I keep think, moving forward. I think Clone Wars, his goal with the Shadow Collective the first time was to be more powerful than uh, to be more powerful than the powers that be, whether it's Separatists or mm-hmm. Sidious or Republic or whatever. And then after that, season seven, when things kind of go bad, I think his goal is just to prolong, you know, how, put it back however you can, Sidious's rise to power. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, because things are more steady, we know what we're working with now. By the time of Solo, I know what I'm in control of and what I'm not in yeah. control of. Because the, and that's the, the galaxy's the, not in civil war again yet. Yeah, at that that's, point, the, you know? that's the chamber... Where you can just kind of focus on your craft. Yeah, I think once the new Civil War started up, the Galactic Civil War, I think that's when he started to, to kind of pull back yeah. a little bit. And I think that Maul, at the end of the day, other than Anakin, I think, we have more story and more of his life and more material on Darth Maul than almost any character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really been fleshed out here, especially in like the last four or five years. And I'll say, I love Legends material. I love... That kind of stuff. He has some of my favorite canons material. Darth produced. Maul has benefited the most, other than people like Kylo Ren who didn't exist at all. I'm right. talking about people we knew from before. His story has benefited the most from Disney's takeover. Yeah. And that's a cool thing to look at the positive side of it. Because it's easy to be like, well, I liked Luke before. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The books are still there, guys. It's not reality. It's not shifted. You can still read those right. things. But there's new, better material about Maul. Yeah. And that's something to be grateful for. So, Maul, man, what a tragedy, but an amazing Star Wars character. Uh, If you like this video, remember to like and subscribe to our channel here on YouTube. Click the notification bell so you can see when we put up new videos. Uh, Remember to subscribe on SoundCloud or on Spotify or iTunes Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us. Um, And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Chist Ascendancy uh, or Chist Ascendancy Podcast. And uh, if you have ideas for a podcast or something you want us to cover or whatever, um, maybe a little extra something on the side, leave a comment on one of our social media platforms, and uh, we'd love to interact with you guys. But until next week, may the Force be with you. And remember, the only family you have here is me. Space Base. All right, y'all. See you next time.